Why hello to all you DC Comics news fans, fans of DC Comics, fans of comics, fans of podcasts, whatever your reason is for showing up. I want to welcome you to yet another episode, episode number 81 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I had to step away for a little while. Over the past few years, I've been lucky enough to host this podcast, and on a few occasions, I have had to pause my production because of a series of family matters that recently came to a conclusion. My father, who has fought prostate cancer for the last four and a half years, recently took a downward spiral and passed away on November 14th. I was lucky enough to take some time away, and after talking things over with the amazing editor-in-chief, Mr. Josh Rayner, we worked out a strategy to catch everyone back up and get us back on track. In order to do that, we are taking all of the comics that came out from DC Comics from November 10th all the way up to November 24th. That's right, three entire weeks compressed into one episode. How are we doing it? Very simply, instead of the usual format where I pick my top five books, this time around I've picked my top ten. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. And I'm going to be honest, it was a challenge. We'll do five books, we'll take an ad break, we'll finish up with five more. And next week, we will be right back and right ready with our picks from December 1st. So, how do we do this? Well, much like all the others, I start out with a book, I tell you what I like, why I think it deserves to be on the uh, list this time around, and also what I'm curious about if I have any questions for you. Starting things off for us is our first book from the November 10th category. For that one, I went with The Green Lantern, Season 2, Issue Number 9. This has just been a continued thrill, personally, when I have read through all of the great stories that have culminated into this point now with issue number nine. Season one was an introduction. Season two has been an amazing exploration. Season two, issue number nine, employs a lot of great stylistic devices and also harkens to the wonders we've experienced so far and how they inform the story we read in the present. This story, The Wedding of the Trilinium. Trilinium? You can always count on me to mispronounce at least one thing. Generally, it's more than one, but I like to at least know I'm consistent with one thing. Almost every episode. Think I'm wrong on that? Think I actually got one episode with everybody's name right? Can't wait to hear about it. Stay tuned to the end for all the ways you can let me know anything you're thinking, anything you want me to know, any questions you have to ask, or, you know, anything else you want to say. What I have to say about the Green Lantern Season 2, Issue Number 9, is that Grant Morrison, at times, he's far more interesting than I anticipate. The direction, the originality and the ingenuity, and the comfort drawing on classic styles, whether it's this gorgeous original cover, 
provided by the amazing Liam Sharp, but I'm sure they had a conversation about what it was going to look like because it sure reminds me of some great cover images you might remember from those classic pulp pages. The variant is quite lovely. I'll tell you all about who was involved in this project. Now, Grant Morrison did the script and Liam Sharp provided the art and color. He did get a color assist from Steve Olaf. Steve Wands provided the letters, and Liam Sharp and Laura Martin collaborate on the original cover with Chris Burnham and Rico Renzi providing the variant cover. The originality of this story not only includes the details where it begins and the setting of a slightly twisted but equally dark version of events we would recognize regarding certain celebrities that exist in our world and how the legal system that we have treats them. But the story spirals quickly away from that moment to period of reflection for our hero, Mr. Hal Jordan. And through that reflection, he decides to pay a visit to longtime love, Carol Ferris. But when he arrives, he sees not only that there is an interloper, one who very much appears to be his identical, that he is stopped by a star of sapphire. Now, wasn't Carol Ferris a star of sapphire? Was she? Hmm. I'll let you go ahead and let me know about that. This star of sapphire pulls away the Hal Jordan we were with, but we get the moment, at least a couple of pages, to linger and see what was about to happen and what does happen when the Hal Jordan and Carol Ferris we stumbled upon realize that they are from different Earths. A trick has been played, and we discover along the way that there are many more Earths we have not really had the chance to be exposed to. Many more universes in which they exist, and new sets of rules that should be considered, especially when it comes to some figures known as the Green Lantern Patrolmen. They have a very unique ethos and mythos, and the rest of this universe is equally fun. Whether it's Star Boy, Marsha Manhunter, a really, really interesting and fun depiction of Batman, Mr. Terrific, and a host of others who make up a group of justice-based heroes. But are they enough to stop an impending war between a Sinestro we've already seen, a Star Sapphire we've just met, and a Hal Jordan who's trying to take it all in? It's a really great kickoff for this episode number 81 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack and a great example of all the books that came your way back on November 10th. But this book was not alone. In fact, also coming out of the November 10th pool of choices is punchline number one. A great standalone issue that I think is a really smart example of how well storytelling combined with brilliant art can be magical, wonderful, and amazing. Before I get too far, if I didn't mention it, the gorgeous art, the stunning pages of Green Lantern Season 2 are something that 
I might have rushed past a bit because I'm aware of the fact that with 10 issues, this could be a really long episode. But allow me to just say before I fully transition into our second book, Punchline Number 1, that when it comes to Liam Sharp's art and the colors that he is creating on each page, I could honestly spend a half-hour podcast talking about each of the issues that have come out for Green Lantern Season 1 and Season 2. They are mythic in proportion. They are gorgeous. They straddle the numerous lines of fantasy, comic book storytelling, new advanced viewpoints of sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book storytelling, and yet also have a clear connection to a tradition of great comic book art. That's going to be my final little pitch on that. Back to punchline number one, and a really great story authored by James the Fourth and Sam Johns with art by Miyaka Andolfo, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. I almost butchered that name really bad. I think I recovered. You'll let me know. Letters by Gabriella Downey, an original cover by Yasmin Putri, and a variant cover by Frank Cho and Sabine Rich. There was also a 1 to 25 ratio variant cover by Jorge Jimenez. Which one did you get? That's a story I'd like to hear about. Now, Punchline introduces herself. She's the narrator guiding us through this story and also talking to a courtroom that doesn't believe that she could possibly be a victim, especially when there's so much evidence of her committing such atrocious crimes as we saw during the course of the Joker War. Now, at the same time, we are also given some viewpoints on this story from some characters who are familiar. A member of the Bat family, one who has been an ally, and at times gone her own way. I'm talking about Spoiler, and I'm also talking about her conversations with another member of the Bat family. And then there's the lens through which we see the manipulation that Punchline is employing in order to turn the tide in her case. It has to do with the medium you're actually enjoying right now. Podcasting, more importantly, true crime serial podcasting that showcases a version of Punchline and her alter ego who, according to this series, was overwhelmed by her first encounter with the Joker and the way she was used in one of his plots and how she then took it upon herself to track down who it was that had done this to her and see what she might be able to do about stopping him. Along the way, she builds a case for herself, and it's one that shows that there was a forethought and prepared pre-planning stage to the Joker War that we were never privy to, one that created this new scenario that is part of a groundswell designed to change the way Punchline, the Joker, and so much of what seemed like a slam-dunk case, and the current tone and mood of the city. I'm curious to see how this will continue on with the current storyline that we're 
experiencing in Batman, in which the Bat family is being chased and threatened by groups clandestine working in collaboration with each other to unmask members of the Bat family and any others who would fall into what is considered the vigilante category. I think family strife is a great way to provide an example of how characters are being affected and impacted, especially when it comes to the motivations of a criminal. What those motivations will eventually be leading us all to feels like something as detailed and well thought out as the plotting on the part of Punchline leading up to this story. And it would appear that this might not be the only time that she put in a certain amount of preparation for what was or is to come. What else did she plan while recording this podcast series? What else did she do to anticipate what is coming next? And what kind of a villain does this make her? Especially when I think of the fact that she appeared in a series that ended quickly enough. And because of that, there is the question of how relevant she will end up being. Is she a breakout character or not? Can this story and her next arc develop and establish her more in the minds, hearts, and zeitgeist of DC Comics fans? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm curious to see if this issue makes a difference. It was my second choice from our selection there of November 10th. But, like I said, we're getting our way through (laughs) our top 10 for this episode, number 81. Do we have one last book? We do. I have three books coming out from the November 10th list, and my final one from that selection is Dark Knight's Death Metal, Infinite Hour, Extreme. Now, if you follow us on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, you've heard us talk on occasion, sometimes at great length, about whether or not there's still a need for a logo. Is he a bygone character from an era that was a bit more crude, crass, and unnecessarily extreme? Well, in this story, Batman, the Batman who frags, that is, part one, Frank Thierry makes an interesting argument. He introduces us to the Batman who frags the maniest man around. Featuring art by Tyler Kirkham, colors by Ari Friano, letters by Dave Sharp, an original cover by Kyle Hotz with Dan Brown. I got a kick out of the cover for all of its over-the-top bulging muscles, swelling, swellingness everywhere. And the (laughs) caricature that is not only Lobo, but now the Batman who frags everything from a stretched out metal version space bike to the story, which propels Lobo into an interaction with Lex Luthor, still in the process of redeeming himself, clearly collecting more and more to his cause. Willingly, begrudgingly, however he can do it. 
Now, the great thing about this book is that within its entire 39 pages, you actually get three stories. Our second story, part two, What the Frag is Death Metal Anyway, features story by Becky Cloonan, art by Rags Morales, colors by Andrew Dollhouse, and letters by Rob Lay. It starts off in Blackhawk Island. It brings us <laughs> yet another fun version of a Lobo. Think Solomon Grundy and smile as you enjoy. We then greet and meet with a Hawkman from a familiar time and with a very somber mission. Lobo doesn't have time for any of that, but what he does have time to do is create just a little bit of chaos, which appears to reign supreme in our third and final story, Superman, Lobo, and Lobo, the creative team, followed by The Legend of Batman, The Legend of Wonder Woman, and a complete unraveling of the world, the universe, history, as we know it. Now, this story continues on in Death Metal number 5, where we find out that Lobo, based on his unique genetic physiology, has the potential to do something other heroes simply can't do. What does it all mean and where does it all go? Well, it continues on in Death Metal number 5. Is that on our list this week? Ooh. For that one, you're going to have to stick around just a little bit longer. But while you're waiting, I'm not going to deny you the opportunity to keep hearing about great books, which means it's time for my fourth choice. This one coming out of the books released on November 17th. And I'm talking about Catwoman number 27. I have really enjoyed everything that Ram V has brought to this story. He continues to show me new possibilities with Catwoman and with the many other titles I have seen him craft and script. His writing is joined by artist Fernando Blanco, with colors by FCO Placencia, letters by Tom Napolitano, Joelle Jones and Laura Allred providing the original cover, with Jenny Frisson providing the variant cover. You're really hard-pressed which one is the better choice. I say get both. You're going to enjoy them as much as I enjoyed this really fun story. Um, <laughs> highway robbery is one of those terms I had to eventually understand. It was a figure of speech, a phrasing, an idiom that talks about an idea much like a swindle. And that's exactly what's happening in this story. Now, who's doing the swindling and why it's happening? Did I mention that this was Catwoman number 27? If that's a clue, then you're really going to enjoy the rest of the fun that follows. In a caper designed to not only show just how well Catwoman can operate the streets she is taking over in Alleytown, but also what a brilliant strategist she is. A, a series of moves that remind me of that can you pick the correct card or find the object 
hidden under the cup that has cost so many people so much money on the streets of major cities across the country and around the world. In a series of misdirections, Catwoman not only makes a power play, but reveals that she has the ability to pull strings, manipulate forces, and put herself at risk. Don't forget, as it's been mentioned in previous issues in which this series has appeared on the spinner rack, Catwoman is being hunted by an assassin who has been brought in from out of town. And because she is raising the hackles of those currently in power in Alleytown, not only this hunter, but certainly others, have sought to put her in their sights. Who will be the successful one to take the shot? Will they succeed in landing a shot that actually takes Selena out of the game? Or has she been watching all along with a plan of her own, given how much she's demonstrated that strategy is something she's extremely good at? The colors, the art, the wondrous little tips and nods to the reader, to the story, between the characters, and a really fun lens. Someone who arrived recently, around the same time as our assassin, but with different motivations, is spurring forward investigations to uncover the trail that Selena appears to be leaving for the police and maybe someone else. This was a really fun book, a great five out of five pick, and one that I'm happy to share with you on this special top 10 episode of the DC Comics News Spitter Rack. So if you've been counting, we're up to number four now, which means it's time for my fifth choice. And for that one, I'm sticking with the books published during the week of November 17th, but I am moving us on over to a book that I really enjoyed. And that's because my fifth book, before we take that quick break, is actually a book that harkens back to November 10th and the books that came out that week. I'm talking about Hawkman number 29, the final issue in a series that, well, I really believe writer Robert Venditti has claimed as his own and because of that, we, the fans, are better for it. With pencils by Fernando Passerin, inks by Eau Claire Albert, colors by Jeremy Cox, letters by Rob Lay, an original cover by Mikel Yannin, and a variant cover by Sebastian Fiomara. This story, in the end, Final Justice, the conclusion we see just how quickly Hawkman must decide how he is going to deal with Hastor, the high priest of Anubis who started both Carter and Shaira on the journey of immortality that it turns out had its roots so much deeper than before we had actually considered. What does that mean? Well, if you're catching on now, I'm going to be honest. This has been a long and winding story, and the places it's gone, and the things it's covered, 
have expounded upon the mythos of Carter Hall, Hawkman, Shaira, Hawk Girl, Hawk Woman, and their intertwined legacy. But when facing off with a Hastor who is using the power of Anubis to control the minds of people, Carter has only one choice, and that is to take the decision and the power out of the hands of Hastor to unleash the true threat of nth metal, to reveal just what it is that he and Shaira have known all along, that they have the power and that they make a choice every time they use it or choose to withhold using it. What we then get <laughs> is a wonderful reminder of the brash stubbornness that is Carter Hall. And we get a glimpse of a future and a world of possibility in which he and Shaira continue to live out their last days, which never actually seem to be coming to a close. How far will and can the legacy of Hawkman and Hawkwoman extend throughout the recorded history and the future history waiting to be written? I think fans of Hawkman and Hawkwoman have many books, issues, and stories to look forward to. Robert Venditti, cheers and kudos to you, sir. You have brought together something wonderful, something amazing, something fantastic, and I believe that over time it will be regarded as one of the great, if not greatest, chapters in comic book storytelling. I look forward to your next work, and it's a pleasure to make my fifth choice on this episode, Hawkman, number 29. A great 5 out of 5 book. A great book for us to go ahead and take that quick pause on and get things covered as far as what you should be aware of here at DC Comics News and all around us in the comic book world. And then we come on back for my final five picks for this episode number 81 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Thanks for your patience. Can't wait to share my next five books in just a few moments. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now through January eighth, you can get thirty five percent off site wide by using the code DC News thirty five. That's D C N E W S three five DC News. 35. Use that code until January 8th and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. 
It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. (laughs) We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bad? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bad. No, I didn't. Want- God damn it. Look, all right, we're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's seasoned, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. Picture this. 
someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. The complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nerds. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Thanks for your patience. Hope you caught up on all the great things going on around here in DC Comics News from that awesome ad break. But it's time for us to pick up the second half of this very special DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 81. We've already covered my top five books, but there's five more still to come. Starting things off for the second half of this episode is The Other History of the DC Universe, number one, a gorgeous story written by John Ridley, covering the life of Jefferson Pierce from 1972 to 1995. Layouts done by Giuseppe Comencoli. Finishes by Andrea Cucci. Color by Jose Villarubia. Letters by Steve Wands. And an original cover by Giuseppe Comencoli and Marco Mastrazzo with a great variant cover by Jamal Campbell. It's hard to pick which one I would get if you end up struggling with that choice and getting two. Trust me, I have a feeling you won't be alone and other fans can support and understand why you made that choice. This is a dense book. The other history of the DC Universe is something that I've been looking forward to since its announcement and its ability to show us what life was like, what the lens was for characters who have not been featured or who oftentimes have not had their stories told, especially when it comes to prominent, significant, poignant moments in the history of DC Comics. What does that look like for characters who are not Superman Green Lantern. What does it mean when these characters show us a different side, a different route, a different path, and how that experience has shaped a different context of superheroes, the world that supports, believes, and those who condemn them? Jefferson Pierce had a hard road, not only to becoming a superhero, but afterwards. He faced many trials, he suffered many losses, and his triumphs were few and far between. 
his successes were always torn between his passions, his obligations, and his beliefs. And his discoveries on this path have been at times helpful and at other times seem to be an impediment to his growth and his understanding. But what they mean for this character as we continue through the other history of the DC Universe is, I believe, just a beginning. Now, the art that matches this story is phenomenal. It captures so many different periods in which Black Lightning lived and the events he is talking about transpired and the way that the tones, the colors, the shades, and the shifting of it all pulls us through this story and reveals to us so many different changes that we might not always notice as we read comic books day after day, week after week, year after year. But through the decades, those changes are reflected in this story, and they hint not only at a transformation for this character, but for an understanding of DC's other history of the DC universe, and what that other history can show us in the issues that are due to follow. I love that this book reveals to us so much about Jefferson Pierce, but also uses his perspective to introduce other characters we can look forward to hearing from and reading about. This was an amazing 5 out of 5 book. It's also a black label book, and the language and content is important to consider because I believe that without it being black label, it might not have had the opportunity to be told with the authenticity that it reveals in this story, which I think is important for comics, for DC Comics, and for the reader. A wonderful 5 out of 5 book, a great book to kick off the second half of this episode, and one that, while I know it's hard to follow, I am grateful that there are so many other great books along the way. Now my next pick is a book that I have had moments where I've really enjoyed it, and other times when I really wished it had gone a different way or told the story in some other form. <laughs> However, Legion of Superheroes number 11 made this list as my seventh book on this top 10 selection with a story by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils by Ryan Sook, which are phenomenal, by the way, inks by Wade Vaughn Grawbadger, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Dave Sharp, with an original cover by Ryan Sook, and a variant cover by Nicola Scott and Annette Kwok. Now, I've loved so many of these great covers. Sometimes I have issues with the story inside. This time, I really enjoyed a great 5 out of 5 book that pulls together things that I already knew, like ma -Nell is part of a group of those from Daxum with powers similar to that of Superman. What I didn't know is what this means for those who live in a place where they have now called home, one that is called New Krypton. But we don't have time to stay there for long because the story continues on to Xanthu, to a discovery, one that is malicious, but then again it deals with Mordru, so that should be expected, right? Then there is Rimbor, 
the rising of a new, potentially unwanted ruler, and then back to Earth and a dream of the darkness that is soon approaching and encroaching. Then there's the quick jaunt over to Daxum, the inclusion of more stories from Earth, and the recognition that characters that Brian Michael Bendis has brought in previously, such as Rose and Thorn, as well as a villainous foe from the pages of Superman, now play important roles in this developing story. Where will we see Legion of Superhero goes in issue number 12? I'm not sure, but I like so much of what made number 11 a great choice for my seventh spot on this top 10 edition of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Moving on in to my next choice is book number eight on this list, but it's book number 12 in the series, simply known as John Constantine Hellblazer. This has been a wonderfully original 12-issue series from Simon Spurrier. This book features and culminates the series with art by Aaron Campbell, colors by Jordi Belair. Didn't I just say that name? Letters by Aditya Bidikar and an original cover by John Paul Leon. Hellblazer is one of those books I didn't want to see come to an end. John Constantine has reminded me why this character is so much fun and why the Sandman universe needs him, I hope, beyond this issue number 12. Will we get to see more of John in the future? Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. In the meantime, what we do get is the bringing to a close of at least one arc in the continuing meanderings of Mr. John Constantine. We also have a return to some of his, well, <laughs> beloved and less beloved characters. For example, Mr. Tommy Willowtree, who was chosen as a successor to John Constantine, but has not really been able to step up in any way that Constantine would consider to be of note, let alone of value. He's failing horribly to stop the monstrous creature that John discovered at the end of last issue. A giant, maybe a giant, actually, an appearance of something that looks like a giant, something that is being scried by a figure introduced to us in the first issue, and building through one we know as K-Mag. Now, at the same time, K-Mag is someone who was introduced to John through another character who has made an enigmatic appearance and one that has made an impact, perhaps most markedly on John Constantine himself. I'm talking about Noah, the mute character who uses British Sign Language to communicate with John and his former gangmate, K-Mag. And the revelation that 
It wasn't K-Mag who had Noah bring Constantine to the gang way back in issue number one and continuing through issues number two and beyond. But something that compelled Noah to do this, something he can't remember, something that is potentially the fault of magic. John reveals that he knows just how much magic costs and how often he tries to defer and defray that cost because of the toll that it takes. But when he does have to employ the darkest, the bloodiest, the most costly magic, he discovers a new insight to the magic and the haunts he's been chasing, what their motivation is, and how they are designed to bring about his untimely end. John makes a play, one that reminds me of some really interesting stories that I have experienced before in comics and books and movies, but the way they are employed here are original and also reflective. Because of that, they are a great homage to wonderful moments in stories and how it is that those characters who are like a bad penny somehow find a way to continue on. But things are not unchanged for John. His future has definitely been altered by his experience with a figure similar to himself, yet not quite like himself. And those reasons are explained in this story. What isn't explained is... Did what just happened, did what just occur that we think we now understand and know really occur? Or is that just one possibility? There's something about a story that leaves a sense of finality and yet also so much more waiting to be discovered. It's an experience for one. It's an experience for all. It's one that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on as well. But for now, we have to charge on to our final two books for this episode. So what are those final two choices? Well, my ninth choice is Justice League Dark number 28, also from that week of November 24th. It's a really wonderful selection that brings to a close this powerful arc introducing the Upside Down Man, and in this, The Cost, Part 2, Ram V shows me, once again, the brilliance of his writing that I was extolling recently in Catwoman number 27. Remember that? Just a little while ago. He's joined by art by Amon K. Nahuelpin, colors by June Chung, letters by Rob Lay, an original cover by Kyle Hotz and Dan Brown, with a variant cover by Kevin Nolan. Which one you end up getting is something I'd love to hear. They're both quite gorgeous, quite magical, and they hint at a sacrifice that's coming. Now, Zatanna learned from her father the cost of magic, and she demonstrates to the upside-down man that she can use this to harm him, to change the reality around them both, to reshape the rules, change the nature and fabric of the universe, and because of it, bring certain characters to a resolution, a new place, or even return them 
to a familiar environment. There is a cost, of course, to magic, one that changes in the eyes of the viewer and also brings to a close some of the motivations that have propelled parts of this story forward. There is, of course, great love, great loss, and a great understanding of the power that they all must use for the forces they all fight to defeat. There is, of course, a great foreshadowing of the next stage to come. If you read the preview mags, you know that there is an endless winter and that what it means for these characters and many others within DC Comics appears to be part of the propulsion leading also into future state and so much more. Just be on the horizon for DC Comics fans. I love the way this book brings to a close the story we've enjoyed so much, sets us up for the stories that are coming next, and brings me to my tenth and final book. So what is that last book? Well, it's a book about a character who is part of so much of the hope that I have found in 2020. A character who will soon be appearing not only on the main theater screens, but also in our homes around the country and the world, when Wonder Woman 1984 is made available to fans and viewers on the big screen or at home. And as we were recently talking about on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, a great reminder of the hope we can all now embrace as 2020, thankfully, comes to a close. Now that hope is something that is always being challenged, and in my final pick for this week, Wonder Woman number 767, that is currently being challenged by a nefarious foe, one who has sometimes pushed Diana to her furthest limit to commit acts that are outside of her nature, and yet also something that only she can accomplish. In this story, Maxwell Lord's Revenge Part 2 by Mariko Tamaki. This wonderful tale is joined by the pencils of Rafa Sandoval, inks by Jordi Tarragona, colors by Arif Priano, letters by Pat Rousseau, with an original cover by David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez, and a wondrous variant cover by Joshua Middleton. And as he so often does, Maxwell Lord suggests that he has Wonder Woman right where he wants her. In fact, he does a classic villain trope by connecting the predicament he is placing her in with a challenging childhood. That doesn't seem to limit him from using the image of his own daughter, Liar Liar, as a key piece of bait in a trap to bring down Wonder Woman. Will she be stopped by such trickery? Wonder Woman has revealed her strength, her ability to persevere, and most importantly, the humility necessary to learn from her mistakes, to change her tactics, to do more than she did in the past, and also to become better for it. Her decisions, her willingness to fight forward based on her terms, I think, presents a great solution to the challenge presented by Maxwell Lord, but also 
it reveals to us that what she is fighting against, in many ways, is more than just one man. It's an idea, one that others will take up, one that they will support and believe in, and one that they will use to justify all the things that they choose to do in their pursuit to stop people like Wonder Woman, to take power for their own. But they are also this great reminder of all the things that Wonder Woman will do, can do, even when she's facing off against a newer villain who is about to make a rather recent reappearance. I loved the way this story showed us how Wonder Woman can be haunted by her past, can be too trusting in her present, and yet somehow she sees a future where those things are not enough to stop her from being the wonderful and amazing Amazonian that I have come to enjoy and love, and I think I am joined by so many others. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this special episode as I wrap things up with that great 5 out of 5 pick here on DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 81. I've been grateful to be your host to join you on this episode to catch us up from all the books from November 10th, November 17th, November 24th. Was I specific, I hope? Did I have my own reasons? Most definitely. Am I looking forward to hearing your thoughts? Yes, I am. And you can let me and the whole team here at DC Comics News know whatever your favorite social media platform is, from all of the big, like Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, or maybe on a smaller channel where you are developing our presence all through that at symbol, DC Comics News. Wherever you are, wherever you're looking to find us, send us that message, let us know what you're thinking, and we'd love to get back to you about so much that you want to talk with us about. I think it's a great conversation. We're all going to chip in and be a part of it. All you have to do is get things started with your message, your question, or anything else you'd like to include. How can you make sure that you catch every episode, not only that's come before, but on your way here from DC Comics News? Well, all you have to do is subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on a lot of the big ones like iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and Stitcher, but there's so many others where you can find us. All you have to do is find the one that fits you. And if you're listening now, click on that subscribe button. You can even do it before or after you listen to the next episode or when this one comes to a close. But when you do hit the subscribe button, you guarantee that the following will happen. One, every new episode is going to appear in your feed. Two, those episodes will range in great variety. We have so many wonderful options of content for you to consider and enjoy and digest whether it's the weekly DC Comics News podcast covering news and content and topics from movies, TV, streaming, comic books, and more, or the irreverent look at the comedic wonder of Harley Quinn, a DC Universe original, on Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. Like episode by episodes, but also like them on the gentler family side of things, you're going to enjoy I Am The Night by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray, 
including guest hosting by his son and other guests. You'll want to check that one out. There's also future episodes of this show, DC Comics News, The Spinner Rack. You can subscribe to new content coming your way on our YouTube channel, including our newest edition, DCN After Dark, hosted by Miss Kelly Gaines. There are future shows along the way, one about tropes, another about fashion, and so many others we haven't even finished dreaming up yet. Hit the subscribe button. Never miss out. Tell us what you love, why you love it, and what else you would love to enjoy right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack and the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Tell us on all the channels. Tell us on all the episodes. We want to hear. We can't wait to have a fun chat with you about all of it. This has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 81. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Go ahead and find me on Twitter as one more singleton. Instagram as Seth the Writer. My dog's page, Bruno and Fiji, is much cuter, but you can make the choice that works best for you. And for a fun adventure, just type my name, Seth Singleton, and the word story into a search engine. Let me know what you find and where you find me. Until next time, this has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you and talking more comics. Next episode will be the standard top five picks, but you never know when a top ten episode like this could be right around the corner. Until then, as we like to say here, read more comics.